Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. What's going on? Welcome to Knife Talk, podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers. You're working in your shop, you're driving your car, you need someone to listen to. This is the show to listen to. I'm Jeff Fader, Fader Knives, with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts. We're here every week to keep you company, to tell a little bit of tips, tell a little story, little this, little that. I'm with you, Craig. How are you? I'm good. Hot as balls at the moment. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Just speaking to Morocco off air, it's the same temperature there in Florida for him. Um, and it's so humid. It's just it's just hard to do anything. Hard to do anything. But um, tired. We, we come back from Disney. We had a few days in Disney. And um, just knackered all this heat and just ugh, ugh. Bath of sweat. May, may I suggest that this trip to Disney looked a million times better than your first trip to Disney? <laughs> it was we didn't end up in hospital this time thankfully mm. um it's good but i say it i mean we've been a few times now and every time i come back and say we're done now we don't need to do it again <laughs> just because it's, it is great fun but it's just so tiring and i mean and that's for me let alone the kids they must you know they're still getting over it now it's just so much to do and you want to cram it all in because it's costing a fortune you don't A-O. waste anything that's right A-O. and um yeah, but no, it was good. It was good fun. The kids loved it. And amazing. is it expensive when you have to do all the f- having breakfast with Mickey and all that stuff? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's not even talk about the, yeah, the, the costs because it is just... Ugh. Ugh. And, but, but I have to say that the, the food in Disney... If, if you go to, like, you know, to the, you know the, the takeaway things they have there, it's ridiculous. It's like 20 dollars at the equivalent would be for a hot dog a really shitty hot dog a terrible um but if you pay for like the dining experiences there and you get the characters and the princesses and all that the food was actually like really really good i was really surprised so huh. i was i was quite happy with that nice. um it's just i had fucking goofy come and sit next to me at one point and i'm trying to eat you know just fuck off. don't talk about <laughs> your wife don't talk about your wife that way that's outrageous <laughs> how dare you she's entitled to a good time too yeah, she had a great time. Yeah, that's good. Really did, yeah, nice. Yeah, that no, was good fun. Nice. Mareko, what are you doing down in Florida? Well, yeah, so I'm down in Nature's Sauna, uh, the hottest time of the year, and uh, I'm working with Steve Schwarzer, and we're having a good time. We're uh, we're probably gabbing just as much as we're working, if not yeah. more. Um, but yeah, we're doing good. We're making some cool steel. We didn't really have a plan for for when I came down. Um, we just kind of. 
I kind of figured out a plan like the day before I got here uh, for what, like work-wise, what we we're going to do. Uh, we've been also talking chef's knives and stuff like that, um, but we're working on this pattern called the chainette pattern. And this is a pattern that used to be made for gun barrels in Belgium. Um, hmm. And hmm. the last time, um, I think, as far as I understand, the last it was made was before World War One, which I think started in 19... 19- 12 18 something like that um and so uh nobody's been able to properly reproduce it uh people have been making uh, salem especially has been making really great and very cool chain patterns uh, but this chain at this specific pattern is a twist pattern there have been a couple uh, uh makers who have attempted it including salem um but they're still just like just the slightest things off uh that so it doesn't really uh replicate the historical patterns very well um and uh, they're still interesting patterns it's just not the same thing basically and so steve and i are working to kind of puzzle out what might be some of the issues in forging out this pattern uh and then and so far things have been going great we just twisted up the material and i have this plan for making this crazy dagger basically um which and it's crazy it's the dagger blade itself profile and everything isn't too crazy it's just how the material is organized is a very unconventional way for twist patterns to be organized in a blade and i'm excited to put them together uh in this piece it's gonna i think it's gonna look really good otherwise yeah travel has been good uh the food's been good hanging out with steve's been good um i don't (laughs) I don't know if this is something that's happened for you guys. I'm I'm almost 40. Uh, my birthday is this coming Monday, actually, uh, when this episode comes out. Wait a and second. When you, you say you're almost 40, <laughs> when you say you're almost 40, how old are you going to be? I'll be 39. Eh, that's not 40. Oh, okay. okay. That's almost 40. That's not 40. <laughs> I didn't you're say cl- that I was 40. I said I'm almost you're 40. You're closer to 40 than yeah, I am. Almost 40. <laughs> closer yeah. to 40 than me. Am yeah, I? Right, right. Goofy. Talk oh, that's true. Yeah. back. Okay, so, uh, but I, I feel like these allergies, I've started to develop, develop allergies like in the last couple of years that I've, and I've never had allergies before, uh, especially just to like pollen and stuff like that, right? And all of a sudden, I'm just sneezing like fucking crazy because of these allergies. And, but uh, I don't know, I haven't really gone and figured out if it's actually allergies or I'm just growing a bunch more hair in my nose or something and it's just tickling like crazy in there. But um, that's another thing that I've been dealing with this last week. It's just sneezing like crazy uh, no. being down here in Florida. I do know that people with allergies, uh, like, or when they go to travel to different places, they have a tendency to sneeze a lot more just because there's different yeah, plants yeah. and stuff around that they're not familiar with, but or the body's not familiar with. But otherwise, yeah, things are going great. When I get back, I fly into Seattle, and my wife is swooping me up, and we're driving straight up to Bellingham, Washington, where my sister hangs out in the summertime with her partner, um, and uh, which is the Bellingham is the t- is Bob Kramer's town. Uh, we'll see if I can connect with him while I'm up there, uh, but it should be fun to go hang out and do some low key and f- fun stuff with family for my birthday and uh and eat some good food hopefully that's my biggest key goal is just to have a nice time and eat some good food that's always the only thing i want for my birthday and fortunately my sister and her partner are both very talented cooks so i won't have to hopefully work too hard (laughs) to eat eat good food on my birthday this year a point and a question 
Okay, let's hear it. The point is, you're gonna, you're almost forty. Shit starts to fucking the nuts start to loosen, and the wheels slowly, slowly, <laughs> Quite literally, start, the yeah. nuts, the nuts on the wheels start to loosen, 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 and you're gonna yeah. start to notice some shit. So you gotta get it. Shit's you gotta fucking tighten. You gotta tighten that fucking nut. You gotta yep. tighten the nuts and keep stay on the road because what happens is is like shit. All of a sudden that you don't realize is gonna happen just happens. You, you don't even yeah. have a, chan a, a chance to like. I get reading glasses now, and that was like six <gasps> months of me thinking. Well, number one is that I have glaucoma on the horizon. So thank God I, I go to an eye doctor. And I say, yeah, I've been trying to do this stuff, and I, I feel like I got dust in my eyes. And she goes, no, no, no. How old are you? Oh, you're 49? Oh, you don't know. You're 48? Yeah, you need reading glasses. Go get some reading glasses. Stuff starts to happen that you don't even realize. Right. And oh. you just got to, like, tighten it up. You got to yeah. tighten it up. I just realized Next that me, Go ahead. me almost being 40 means you are almost 50. Yeah, I'm going to be 50. I'm going to be 50 in December. Oof. Feel good. Uh, what do you, what do you, you know what I talk? Uh, you know what I saw this. I, um, I, his, his nuts aren't loose. His nuts are off. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude I'm in better. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm in better physical shape now than ten years ago. Easy by a mile, no yeah, question. Yeah. This is uh, no question about it. Nice. But uh, I was actually I was uh, I was with uh, Jesse Savage, and it was Cliff's birthday. Cliff just turned forty. And yeah. he had a house warming, and Cliff and John and Will Shear was there, and. Oh, and uh, that's what Rob that Rojas and nice. Chris Cash stopped by, and we had a real nice time. Jesse is the best. I love Jesse. Jesse and I are like a month or two apart. He hates it when I say we're almost fifty because he's like <laughs> he hates it. He said he hates it. He's anytime I talk about our age because because you and I are a month apart, and we talk about I always say oh, I'm getting old. You're getting old too. I drag him into the conversation, and he hates it every <laughs> single time. So that's really funny. But the 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 point. Look, just. Take care. Your, I, my suggestion is, take care of your shit now because yeah. it gets harder and harder. Take yeah. care of your physical shit now. I'm telling you, it gets fucking harder for sure. Yeah, I one of the big things I need to start doing is just be more active. I do have a seven year old kid, but that doesn't keep me active enough, especially when it comes to just like overall physical fitness and taking care of your body. And I have a friend who's a personal trainer. Uh, so I think I, and I, I was meeting f with him for a while, uh, a couple of years back and then I fell off the wagon. So, um, when you fall off the wagon, it gets harder and harder to catch I up to the fucking wagon. I'm, I'm trying to get back with him and shift in weight in your forties is almost impossible it's for That's you. So difficult. You now, when you hear that Mareko, yeah. you should say that should be a rallying call mm. to saying that, that fuck you, I'm going to do it out of spite. And I'll tell you, <laughs> spite is a very, very powerful force. And somebody tells you you can't do something, you're like, I'm going to show you. So you can do it. You just, it's, it's tighten them nuts. <laughs> tighten them me. nuts, dude. I, I, I tighten feel, them nuts. I'm all about doing things out of spite for sure. Do uh, it. You got it. It was almost 10 years ago. Somebody told me, was uh, being critical of some of the Damascus patterns I was making. And and joking about or laughing at me for my notebook, my my diary full of knife making journals or knife making designs and and whatever Damascus designs. And they said, you know that all, all, every pattern that's ever been made is, ha, has been made, right? 
And I was like, that's bullshit. That's got to be the mm. stupidest thing I ever heard. And that has been my mission ever since is to prove that fucker wrong every chance I can. It's whatever it takes. If, <laughs> if it's spite is right, then that's for you. You know, I'm telling you, man, don't listen to it. It's the same guys who say, oh, you can't be a knife business. Oh, no one can make money making knives. Or, oh, you can't do that. You fucking grab that shit and say, you keep your mouth shut. That's the key. The key to all of it is you keep your mouth shut until you've done it. You yeah. know, because like when I got involved with the whole Peloton thing, changed my life. Yeah. But I kept my, I did keep my mouth shut wait, on this wait, thing. Jeff, I didn't keep my mouth Peloton. shut on this thing, but I, but, but I didn't like make a whole production about it. I didn't know that you had a Peloton. I fucking, dude, I'm telling you, I didn't, but I didn't like, join me on my mission. This is day three. I didn't do any of that fucking bullshit. And I just kept doing it. And, uh, and look, who cares? Honestly, who cares? But I'll tell you what, spite <laughs> is the best. And I'll, speaking of spite, the second question I had for you is, okay. is Steve Schwarzer doing any of them great southern old lines like i'm working harder than a one-legged guy in an ass-kicking contest is he doing like <laughs> is he doing them, all them old beautiful he's got, chestnuts uh, he's been yeah to, i, don't, I have not been making a record of them but he's full of them and it's i'm great. like i'm crazy as a cat in a room full of rocket chairs all that kind of shit i love that shit <laughs> he's all about that That's his you move. sound like will ferrell's impersonation of harry carey He's got a he, oh no, good Paul, good Paul. R.I.P. Carry Carry, but uh, he's got a million of them. Steve Schwartz has got does. a million of them. It's the best. It's the yeah, best. Speaking of well, speaking of spite, speaking of okay, spite. Let's hear it. So so Cliff had a little housewarming party, and uh, I said he had a few people. I said, hey, listen, for your housewarming and your birthday, I'll make you a pie if you want. And he goes, oh, that'd be great. So it was fine to all the people. It was a lot of his his um, his girlfriend's friends and our friends. It would be fun get the rig out and uh, do it all. So I thought, well, what can I do? And then and there Keith Johnson was there and all these influencers and all these guys and stuff like that. And I said, I know that I overheard a few of them don't like seafood. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to put any seafood in. I'm going to do some chicken. I'll do some of this, that, the other thing. And I thought, well, what would be special? You know, cause, So I thought, you know what I'll do is I'll get one of those long... Um, <laughs> sausages and make like a like a scroll because these are all blacksmiths, so it'll be funny because right. I'll I'll lay in this scroll like scroll work and stuff like that. Right. So I did it. We went to the party at all time, a lot of fun. Everybody ate it all. Everybody ate it all. It was delicious. Everyone had a good time. Will Shear said, who's a professional chef, said, I had three plates. It was great. Even Chris Cash, who's known for only eating white bread, loved it. Everyone <laughs> ate it. <laughs> Steve Pellegrino loved it. He was there. He had a good time. We had a great time. I get home, and I post a picture of it. I didn't take in a lot of pictures of it. I, didn't, I was going to do a reel. I changed my mind. I All of a sudden, in my, in my inbox is someone that I know from Spain. Not, my, <laughs> not Chef Borja, not the, not the chef. But a guy that I know, good a nice guy. Nice makeup, by, by any chance? Not, no, oh, kind okay. of, okay. sort, kind of, sort of. Okay. And good guy, met him, spent time with him. Good guy. He's breaking my balls about this pie. <laughs> breaking. Oh, that's a, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, gives me a hard time. My response is, which I tell you guys is, I don't fight for free. I fight here. I don't waste my time in the DMs. Don't, don't, I'm not going to engage. <laughs> All I write is, if I write to you, get off my phone, that's the rattle of the rattlesnake. Don't leave me alone. Get off my phone. I said, get off my phone, go to bed. And then a couple days later, post another one. 
And he's just like, this one's better. I can't believe the one you made before. It was such terrible. And I want to help you. And you need to He's just giving me a whole thing. And I'm, I don't want you. And I'm, I'm looking at this thing seething as in, I don't want your fucking help. Good guy. Really good guy. I don't have any. I'm not going to kill him. I'm not going to say anything terrible about him. But I am going to say this. I don't want your help. I don't want your help. And I'll tell you why. Number one is I have made more paella than you have. I was at a party. I don't know. I was invited to an event where we cooked paella for 700 people. Every grain of rice was eaten. Every grain of rice was eaten. They asked us back and we said no. And they begged us to come back. We still said no. I have made more paella than you. And I don't care if you've worked 20 years and find out. I don't care. I don't care if, if Jose Andres had immaculate conception and gave birth to you in Valencia and crapped you out into a Calisbar rice patty. I don't care. I don't care. It's fine. I'm with you. It's fine. And so I was, I was getting furious. I was like, what am I going to do? I'll give it to him here. So I'm with you. When I see you in Spain again, we're going to, we're going to, it's, this is all your fault. Number one, this is all your fault. You brought it to me and I'm bringing it back. We're all good. Everything's good. I don't want your help. Stay out of my DMs. I love the way you say, I don't care, but your voice is seething. Oh, well, I got to fucking, <laughs> you know, let, let's, just be, let's just be clear. Am I going to seethe at home in the DMs or am I going to get, or am I going to take advantage of this feeling and bring it to a place where we got to fill almost four hours, a, I got to fill almost two and a half, four hours a week, bring it where I get paid. So that, sure. it's, that, it's funny. Makes sense. It's fine. But I mean, when I make paella, there's no leftovers. And I'm not going to say anything else about anything else. But when I make it, there are no leftovers. When he makes it, might be some leftovers. I'm just saying. Just saying. But peace and love, peace and love. When I see you again, I'm going to give you a big handshake. Let this all go away. I am with you 100%. I'm with you. It's enough. There we go. So that's that. Sorted. Now, I wanted to just, oh, you got you to do a thing. No, 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 no. Go for it. Well, I was going to say, I had, uh, I, in the knife game, I had a really good uh, week. I got, a, um, I got a tumbler, and I talked to Matt Gentry, and he got my stonewash finish game on point. Nice. And I have to big major thank you to Matthew, uh, to Matt Gentry, Gentry Custom Knives, who hooked me up with the secret. And I did see I that. I love it. So- so, so what are you doing? Are you put, like giving them like an acid bath first, and then put them in the tumbler. How, how are you getting that yeah. contrast? Well, so I went to, I went to Harbor Freight, which is like, I mean, the smell of a Harbor. Call Freight. yourself a professional. The, yeah. I, well, I, here's the thing: is like, <laughs> do I invest in like a giant thing or? A, so I did a lot of research. Got the Harbor Freight, the big one. The Harbor. You walk into a Harbor Freight, my man. It's the smell of stale grease, misery, and maybe the inside of containers. <laughs> it, it is it's plastic burning burning plastic it's terrible in there yeah, so yeah. i got that and i got the medium and then yeah so i basically cleaned them up i did uh we did a um acid etch with a stainless and then threw them in the tumbler i'm not going to give all, all the secrets away i think matt gentry is going to if you go to gentry custom knives on youtube he has videos and they're great and he just told me i like maybe i should do another video so gentry custom knives will do a video on how he does the uh, acid uh, stonewash ash and it's really really great and we just did a, a sample of them and then we're going to do some tests for uh brush uh, belt finish and satin finish and culinary versus not culinary so it's all very it's very exciting very exciting mm, 
Nice. And these are for the skeleton knives you're doing, the, the ultralights. Right, yeah. So we're going to have 10 ultralights ready on Friday. They're going to put them on the website. And then uh, we're, you know, it's, it's, this is the thing you, we all have talked about a million times, which is the finish. And mm-hmm. how does it stack up on a belt finish? And I figured something out in regards to why I don't think belt finishes look good on my stuff. It's because if they're not done perfectly, when they're flashing the light, it shows all the inaccuracies of your belt finish. Sure. So for me, if you take away that and we use the matte finish of the stone wash, all of a sudden you have something, you know, you're not, you're all, you're kind of like getting rid of all that shininess and the, and the imperfections. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. So. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, think, yeah, we'll see. I've been curious to check out sandblasting blades as part That's of the finishing process. the next step. So now all yeah. of a sudden I'm wondering if sandblasting will help me before doing the acid etch. And, and I know yeah. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of things saying, yeah, definitely do it. But I was using a uh, palm sander to get a non-directional finish, and I was getting pretty good results too. Mm. So well, new stuff. Okay. okay, cool. Okay, well, let's hear a bit from our sponsors. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. Yes, Evenheat. We all use them. They're the best. Go go get yourself an Evenheat. Can I, ju- can I jump in real quick before we sure, move forward? Sure, sure. I just want to give a quick shout out to Salem Straub. Obviously, yeah. he's a very talented maker, but he's doing a great thing right now. Um, and, and I think by the time this comes out on Monday, uh, the his raffle he's putting together he's put together is going to be done by then but i just want to give him props for working to raise money for uh people who are struggling and suffering from the mountain the fires that have taken or destroyed lahaina over in maui uh he and his wife lived there at one point um several years back and it's just been absolute horror and apocalyptic mayhem and destruction over there so many so so much heartbreak over there, and uh, so I just want to give him s- some love and uh, some props for helping helping out where he can. And uh, when I get back finally uh, back to my shop, I'll, I'll probably be doing something myself. Um, Salem is uh, doing a raffle for some some steel. I'll probably do something along those lines. Neil Warren of Maximus Knives actually right now is doing an auction for a small paring knife um, that he's put together. It's, it's a pretty neat design. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of makers out there trying to do their part, uh, their small part to try to help um, people who are really really suffering right now. So I just that's a, that was it. I just want to give a shout out and some love to some of these guys who are doing some good work to try to help support others. And Neil Camamora's mm. got he's doing some auctions too. Right. Yes. Yeah. He is. So yeah, I was. It's awful. Jeremy Spake was over there doing the whole thing. Yeah. I w- I just messaged or he just messaged me. Yeah. He was there just a couple days before the fire started. He he was <laughs> joking, texting me the day before they're getting on the plane. And they, they've arrived on the, the day of the fire. It was horrible. Oh, He's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he said driving, the roads were all closed down for a while after the fires. And going through, uh, to probably, probably to leave, it, it is, it, it was so horrible and apocalyptic. He, it, it's, it's messed him up. You know, it's going to yeah. be something he'll never forget. It's of course. one of the worst things he's ever witnessed in his life. And of course. So, yeah. Unthinkable. Whew. Madness. Rough. Madness. 
Okay, well, let's get on with the show. Shall we do some questions? Absolutely. Oh, and P.S., the guy who gave me trouble, I think he might have been drunk. So he messaged me. He messaged me at certain times of the night that makes me think that he his opinions came at a time where he might have been drinking heavily. So shout out to <laughs> but you. It, but it doesn't. Just just to be clear, it doesn't bother it, you. Too. I mean, it bothers me. Of course, it bothers me. But be, well, I'll be okay. But I mean, I might as well take my my. I might as well take it and use it. So I'm with him. You know, lay off the sauce before you grab your phone. Just don't text and don't drink and text. Don't drink and DM. <laughs> oh, have you have you ever done that? I've done that. Uh, drink and I don't DM, know, maybe. Yeah, I've done I can't it. Can't think of You always have a huge have, mistake. Man. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Questions. Um, people who have sent us questions at we are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, um, and these are a bunch of questions that people have done exactly that with. This is from Anarin M. Knives. Um, hello, gents. I've recently been doing a lot of full-tang knives, and I was wondering how to determine where the 600-grit hand-sanded portion ends and where the roughed-up portion starts. In my last batch, I think I got my satin finish uh, portion far too into the Ricasso handle portion of the blade, and I think it's been too smooth for the epoxy to, uh, to work properly. Um, oh, and he says, thank you. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, so he's talking, he's got a lovely finish on his blade. Uh, it's a full tang knife, and he obviously wants a bit of uh, some scratches there on the, on the handle part for the, for the handles to adhere to with the epoxy. Um, and he's asking if we've got any tips for, make, for that sort of tran- where that transition should be and how it works. Um, Jeff, what do you think? I like little lines of demarcation. I like there to mm-hmm. be some sort of like real definitive mark. So I'm because I know some people can make chef knives without a plunge line. I'm talking. I'm thinking. I'm just talking chef knife. Yeah. If you have a plunge line, then all of a sudden there's your line of demarcation. I do like that section between the top of the bolster and the the plunge line to be uh, its own thing. Um, And sometimes it's hard, and sometimes you know you accidentally go over the thing, and it happens. Um, that's kind of why I put a lot of, you know, put a lot of, I rough up the inside of the, uh, the, the tang either with holes or, you know, or, you know, with a fullering tool, a fullering uh, contact wheel, give yourself something in there that you can bind to. But I do, aesthetically speaking, I do like there to be some sort of line of demarcation between the satin finish and the Ricasso, but that's just me. And now with this, with with the stone wash, you're not going to be no trans. It's all going to be one thing. It's hmm. going to be one goddamn thing. Hmm. So, yeah. But I'd like to do like a like a dry fit anyway. Um, so the handle is pretty much finished, um, and do dry fit. And you can always make a mark then. Ah. You know, with a with any sort of you know marker pen um, that'll wipe right off anyway. Um, so yeah, so you, you always know exactly what it is. But whereas Jeff's just said, um, obviously you're going to use hand, you know, sandpaper to you know to rough up um, the, the the area of the tang. Um, obviously, do the same on the on the handle as well. The handle, the side that's going to adhere to that. Um, but I like to stick just like, like a countersink tool in a drill press and just take a few, only tiny, tiny little divots out of the back of that handle as well. Um, oh, on, for two on the reasons. inside of the scale where it meets the on the in, yeah. the inside of the scale. I yes, gotcha. yeah. So. So I'll, I'll do that on the steel as well, um, but I also do it on the scale. Hmm. Um, and that does two things. So the, the first thing it'll do is it'll make little plugs um, of epoxy. Um, whether that's helpful or not, I don't know. But what is definitely helpful is you will have um, some place 
when you squish those handles together, you don't need to really squish them that tight anyway. But you've got somewhere for that epoxy to run into. Mm-hmm. Um, so rather than wasting epoxy and it going everywhere, you've got, you've got some that'll, that'll stay in the handle there. Um, but yeah, if you're doing a dry fit, you can always mark out where the handle finishes and then go back in with the sandpaper afterwards and just make sure you don't you know, go, go over that line. It's, it, yeah, it, it, it's quite simple, I suppose. The dry fit is underrated. That's what she said. <laughs> hey, hey. You haven't done one of them for hey, a while. Hey, <laughs> yo, the dry fit's underrated. Oh, yeah. Lord. When I, the few uh, full tang knives that I've done um, in the past few years, I, when I'm doing the hand sanding, I usually, kind of like what Craig was saying, I kind of mark out where the front of that handle scale is. And I make sure that I hand sand up to that, but I'm not really trying to work too hard to get up into the tang area and take it to too much higher of a grit. I think the tang is usually, it's probably still at like 60 grit or 120 grit from previous cleanup um, in, in preparing the, the knife. But beyond that, there's I don't think there's any need to scrub too much higher than that in kind of like mm. that ricasso transition area uh or, or sorry in, on the tang but in that ricasso transition area you definitely i i would i would think you would want if, especially if you're going for a, like a nice satin overall look for your piece you want that to be consistent all the way to that handle transition um so yeah but getting too much too deep in there i'm i'm never honestly too personally worried about getting in there and taking the whole tang up to 600 grit or anything like that yeah, so, and and it, it doesn't really pay. And for me, I mean, I always Tang thought, doesn't pay. That, hey yo, I I I th- always think about when uh, uh, um, Aaron Goff said to me that he only uses he he doesn't even use he doesn't even use epoxy anymore mm. because the his the the the, the, the fit up is so tight he doesn't need it. But I was always under the impression that the 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 epoxy if you're especially if you're using like mechanical fasteners is more like a sealer than sure. it is and you know Naren's right because if you do go up to like a mirror finish and you put that you put that uh, epoxy on you could it might just it might pop off if it flexes like if you yeah, if your yeah. wood is weird if your wood is starts to like if you have wood and it's not 100 percent stabilized or something like that it'll pop off one it'll pop off one side I've seen that before yeah yeah. Well, okay, so, yeah, basically, if you're going to need sandpaper anyway, do yourself a favor and use the best. That's probably the best tip we can give you here, um, and that would be Indasa Rhinowet. Um comes in all the grades that you could possibly need, um, and it, it, it's pretty cheap. It comes in A4 sheets, and you can just slice them up so you have a little little stack when you need them, um, and TexasFarrowSupply.com sells Indasa Rhinowet. So go take a look, TexasFarrowSupply.com as well as Rhino Wet. They've got everything you could possibly need, whether you're a farrier, knife maker, whatever you want to call yourself. Go take a look. And here's the rub. 10% off if you use Knife Talk 10 off your entire order. So anything you put in your cart, you get 10% off. TexasFarrysupply.com. Go get some Indessa. Yeah. I'll take this next one. It is from Angel on... Uh, wait, Angel Oni Fire? Angeloni, uh, yeah, Angeloni Forge. Angeloni, Angeloni, right. I think, yeah. Maybe they're Italian. Uh, Angeloni Forge. Oh, sorry, Fire Forge. Yeah, sorry, Jesus. Anyways, okay, Angeloni Forge. <laughs> Question about an answer you guys gave about carbon migration. If you uh, if you use the can method to help atmosphere 
keep atmosphere away from your forge welds. My question is, what about Sanmai? Is carbon migration just the thing you have to expect in a Sanmai blade? Or are there ways to stop it from happening? Love the show, thanks. Uh, carbon migration. What do you guys think? Don't. What are you asking us for? <laughs> for Christ's sake! What are you, that was a bullshit. That was nice Calm. of you. Goes on holidays. That was, I don't, blah, blah, blah. that was nice of you to say. That was nice of you as always to say that. But come on, let's cut the shit. You mean? So go ahead. <laughs> let's move on with the show. Uh, no, yeah. So tell. Okay. So. When it comes to protecting your steel from atmosphere, there are, especially in industrial uh, settings, there are argon purged or nitrogen purged kilns. But the problem is, uh, is that that is extremely expensive to be running. Uh, yeah, either which are both uh, what are the inert gases, uh, either argon or nitrogen, to help keep the uh, the atmosphere clear. Um, uh, of any oxygen, which helps reduce the uh, what is it the the forge scale that develops and the carbon migrating out of the material. Uh, I think the biggest thing, uh, or, or sorry, so you, to do that in a in a custom maker setting um, is really really difficult and honestly isn't really necessary um, unless you are working your material for hours and hours and hours. Um, especially when you get to the forging portion, if you're forging the blade out or in, in the heat treating, if you're spending a lot of time at those high or above critical temperatures, so, you know, above 1500 plus, um, then you, you're going to have an issue potentially with the finished product. But ideally, part of the reason we select the, the steels that we work with for forging Damascus and for making Sanmai and forging blades out of is because they have a high enough of a carbon content that through that time spent at those high temperatures, by the time they're done being forged and work, uh, worked, there's still going to be plenty of carbon left over to make a quality tool. Uh, and I think that's the, the biggest reason why we want to work with some of these higher carbon steels. Um, but when it comes to Sanmai, it, it, it doesn't matter. Even if you can, uh, Damascus, a mosaic Damascus, there's always going to be some sort of carbon migration. Um, in fact, if you look at some knives, you will see kind of a, uh, along the weld joints or in the Damascus pattern, you will see light color or a light gray line between at some of the transition points. And those are out the weld boundaries. And what that is, is somebody has done a mosaic tile, um, and, but they haven't uh, allowed that material long enough time at above critical temperature for that carbon to even out throughout the material. Um, and so those cloudy lines are preserved because it ha because the person has been like, they're trying to get that steel in the fire, get it stuck and out as quickly as possible. But part of the problem is that even after cleanup, Sure, you get rid of all the forge scale and stuff, but even if the steel looks clean, that stuff at the at, at the surface is probably still decarburized, and so it actually benefits benefits you to have some of that carbon migration activity happening. Again, you don't want to be sitting there cooking that steel for days, but um, you do want some level of it. And then when it comes to sandmai, sandmai should be pretty quick and straightforward to get the steel stuck. Um, basically no matter what you're using, I will say that if you say you're doing, um, like a mild steel on the outside of a high carbon steel, 1080 or 1095 or whatever, um, 
there because of the discrepancy between the carbon content in that cladding, that mild steel cladding, which is usually, I don't even know, like maybe 20 uh, point. Much lower. It's extremely low. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is exactly. Uh, versus the 1095 or, or something else, right? It, that Because of that discrepancy, the car, that um, the carbon is going to want to migrate out of the core of that steel and into the cladding. And so if you're working with a combination like that, it does benefit you for sure to get in and out of the steel as quickly as possible. Uh, because you, if you spend a lot of time in there, what's going to end up, you're, what you end up doing and what ends up happening with all carbon steels or steels that have been forged, uh, especially to make Damascus or Sanmai or something like that, is the carbon content averages out. It will just average out. And so if you have really high stuff and really low stuff, you're going to, even though you have a 1095 core, you could only end up with maybe 0.5% carbon in the, in the core of that blade at the finish of all the forging. If you spend way too much time Hmm. now, even if you spend a couple hours getting that thing stuck, that's totally fine. Um, if you spend for whatever reason, you spend three hours getting that steel stuck and then getting the for- blade forge again, that should still be plenty. But if you're spending a, l- a lot more time than that, then you might start to get into issues of decarburization from the core material to the cladding, um, lowering, effectively lowering the carbon content of that core material and potentially affecting its performance in the finished product. Hmm. So canning isn't a cure all, um, and uh, let's see, unless it is complete, unless the material you're working with is completely jacketed and it's not in con- contact with any, when I, sorry, let me step back. When I say completely jacketed, I mean like wrapped in some fo- sort of foil and then wrapped in a can or something like that, like the tool wrap material that you guys use for heat treating. You can also wrap your steel in that and then put a can around that. Um, and that will help keep the steel in an oxygen free environment, at least initially, you will want to take it off once you feel comfortable that everything is either solid or not either, but um, solidly consolidated. uh, And you feel comfortable that it is is forge welded together, then as soon as you can, you want to take that can off and then you continue forging because if you leave the can on things get weird with the uh, with the steel. And especially if it's sandmai, it's not necessary to keep it on because at a point you want to either stock remove that blade or then forge the blade. And you can't, you don't want to leave the can on for that, right? So um, that, that is probably the best way, but it is also then extra time and material and cost that goes into building that thing when you're making a fully like done up can like that. Um, so that's what I got about carbon migration it's it's hard it's hard to totally agree yeah oh well i mean yeah me too i mean that's how i mean thank you for asking (laughs) i was perfect (laughs) i mean a lot it made a lot of sense jh knife shop has asked um what is your go-to move to increase sales um i currently am sitting on more inventory than i've ever had um infantry than i've ever had i have custom work to do but i enjoy building what i want to build then selling it from stock when things get slow, do you run sales, adjust prices, do promotion products, raffles, auctions, etc., or just sit on the stock till the hunting Christmas season? Good question. Very good question. Mm. Yeah. Um, but let's start with you, Jeff, because I mean you're holding inventory now. This is this is what you you're, you're trying to do more. Um, 
Is it just like a, a balancing act of knowing what to make? This this particular summer, and I think that a lot of knife makers can agree, has been a slow summer. Slow summer, and I've talked to people from all over the place, and July, August have been slow, slower than normal. And, you know, obviously I'm not uh, Neil Kawamura. I'm not, you know, I post the the newsletter and everything sells out you know i have a lot of inventory which i'm glad because there's a big project we might take we have a big project we might take on and if it if it comes now we we have the ability because they don't have anything and i have one custom order now one custom order came in through yesterday i could take on a big job because we have that inventory and as it sells slowly slowly we can you know we move it yeah, it's tough, man. I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to do sales. I'm hesitant to do uh, panic is really what I'm hesitant to do. I'm hesitant to panic. Mm. Um, I look at our numbers, and our numbers are good. They were good. They were great, better. It, early in May, they were much better than they were last year in May, and now we're kind of like clumbing into ex- almost exactly how we were last August, which wasn't – it's not what I w- want to be, but that's just the way it is. I, my m- my personal opinion is this is not fish. It won't go bad. Obviously, definitely, <laughs> you know, feel like you can – if you can hold off and just keep your presence known, keep your presence known, and uh, if you want to do a sale, do a sale. I, I, I tend to stay away from that kind of stuff. I don't want to f- seem like – I'm like a big box store and this is some sort of like, you know, all right, Black Black Friday, 25%. I don't want to kind of want to do that. Um, people do and it works for them. I, I Like I said, this isn't, stuff isn't going to go bad. You know, I, I think that this is, this summer has been no, not great. It has not been a great summer. And uh, I don't know. I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about it. I, I think it's 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 a fine balancing act of knowing what sells. Um, so you know you don't want to have you know lots of stock in of stuff. You know so when you start doing your your batches or whatever you may be doing, um, you know just see what sells and and make notes of all that stuff as well. You know you you'll know your sort of popular models or the style of knives that are selling well. Um, so you know don't spend a lot of time making stuff that doesn't sell well. You know so it's. I suppose time will sort of, you know, time is your is your helper there, you know, and getting to know what's selling will help you then manage your stock and what you should be making. Well, um, but yeah, with regards to adjusting prices, promotions, raffles, auctions, that kind of thing, um, it's difficult because I think once you start doing that, it's it's easy to always rely on that. I think. Um, and I, and I think, you know, if you're trying to build a brand as well as a business, you know, as, as part of your business rather, um, I think they could slightly devalue. I know some people have great success doing that and, you know, great for them. Um, but, um, from an, as an outsider, I could see it maybe could sort of devalue the brand that you have. Um, so yeah, take a look at, you know, last year's sales, you know, what we're selling. Um, and when it comes to planning what you're going to be making, um, you know, make what sells. No. What do you think, Reco? I, I think, I, especially since he's busy with customs, I, I don't think there's any reason, it, it doesn't seem like there's a reason for him to kind of, I guess, oh, what is it, get worried, uh, like you were saying, uh, panic. Jeff. Panic, don't yeah. Panic. Uh, and feel like you've got to sail them. Because I, and I know 100% that if you start sitting on inventory, you feel like 
you got to move it. But like you said, it's not fish. It's not going to go bad. And I think it, I think it's actually not a bad idea to maybe hold on to it in, until like Christmas time when people are really in, in, in a position to really start spending money again. Um, I, I, I think I, I do like the idea potentially of doing some sort of promotional work with connecting with an influencer or some sort of brand or something like that and, and doing something as part of a giveaway or something like that they're doing just to help maybe get eyeballs. But that's also only if you feel comfortable with that and you can afford to do that. Uh, if you can't afford to do that, then I wouldn't do it. I would just sit on it. Um, and, and when it comes to sales, I'm, I'm not for sales for for custom makers of anything really doing sales because we like jeff said we are not big box stores they have all kinds of profit margins that they can afford to do those sales right. you know even when they sell something they're still usually if not making their money back they're still making a small profit um and that's where sales come from there where when we as custom makers do a sale it's nothing but loss so um yeah, I'm not for sales. Um, again, it, unless you are extremely in, uh, like if it, extremely necessary and you really need the money, um, then that might be a different position. But it, for this guy in particular, the situation doesn't sound like he needs to make get the money from those knives. Any kind, whatever that money might be, even if it's ten bucks or whatever, you know. Um, so I would say don't sell them. Or don't, sorry, don't put them on sale or clearance or whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, I would I would sit on them or, and maybe if you could find somebody that you're interested in collaborating with and make sure it's clear. It's like, this is a collaboration. Uh, I, would, I would love for a shout out or something like that and, um, and get this custom knife to you. And I love what you do. And maybe there could be something that comes from it. But again, that only comes with the idea that you can afford to do that and you're going to be comfortable with potentially nothing coming of it. I like what Craig said before, and I like what Mareko said too, but what Craig said that I was thinking about is when you said, how do you figure out your designs? It's interesting that you say that because we have all sorts of different ideas that I have. Like these skeletonized knives I had, we had been planning on doing them for a long time. I just didn't figure out one that I liked. And finally, and, and at the same time, it also dovetail with, dovetailed with the idea of maybe we need to put something out there that's a little less expensive, a little less labor. Like that was like part of, and part of the fact that we're not selling as quickly as I would like. And I'm like, maybe you should put, to, you know, this is the time to figure out the design that I like, and then maybe we can offer something quick. And, and I had sent the design to the water jet guy and they're not done yet. So I was like, well, we're going to make 10. We're going to make 10 to get our hands wrapped around it and just understand what we want it to look like and get the feel for making them and stuff like that. And, but it was definitely a, I mean, if I had been, if I've been selling eight K tips until the cows come home, I wasn't making, I would making these mm -hmm. skeletonized knives. I am trying to look at different markets or different demographics that wouldn't normally be able to buy my knives. So that's this yeah. is also a uh, result of, you know, something we've always had in the in back of the minds. Tony's always wanted to do it too, and we just never got to it, and it seemed like it was a good time. Um, and when we do batches, I do base based on how things have been going. Like we've been selling a lot of bull elk MLs, so I made five more. So all five of the old ones went, I made five more. So I do kind of look at what is going and then 
what we how we should fill because i kind of want to be in the position where something goes and then i restock what that goes like that's what i like and now we have a really wide audio wide inventory of different things and i kind of really like it that way so sure. I, I will say i i just remember something or uh, something jeff said and reminded me that when i i have done or I've, i have had inventory sitting around um my kind of quote-unquote sale is that i'll I'll, if I can connect with a, a retailer um, then, that will buy the work at a small discount, then I'll sell at a discount to a retailer because of the potential opportunity of promotion through through a retailer. Right. But other than that, I, again, I'm just I'm not a fan of sales. And a lot of times, those stores do on consignment. I mean, let's just they let's do. be very yeah. clear. More, more than more than 75% will do it on consignment. You'll be lucky. If you have a relationship with a place, maybe they'll buy it. But a lot of times they'll be in consignment and consignment sucks. Consignment yeah. sucks. And you walk in that store and you're looking around, nothing's moving and you see the dust on oh, your yeah. knives and you're just or, like... Or, or they disappear and they take... Or they disappear. Them. I lost two. I lost two <laughs> knives because this goddamn company, you know, when I, the, the, the husband and wife divorced. I, it, was, it was on a South Street seaport, this really cool place. And they were, I knew the, the, the daughter, the, the wife was a uh, New York City kid. And we were talking about that. And we had created this relationship. Bingo, bango, bongo. They get divorced. And now she's got this and he's got that. And then all of a sudden, no one's returning my calls. They have five lure sculptures. And then they have two knives. And I can't get oh, my, got any of them. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta write it off, and it makes me think to myself, well, I'm not doing that again. I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm less likely to do it. I'll do something with someone I know, like uh, Tim Music over at JB Prince. But I mean, right. if you don't have a relationship with someone, it's like, you know, you just never know what's gonna happen. You say, oh, he's such a nice guy, he's such a nice guy, and then all of a sudden, it's like the phone's disconnected, and it's like mm-hmm. now, and it was all in consignment. So it's like, I got these people got like uh, fifteen hundred dollars worth of my shit. You know, yeah. and that's it. Poof, gone. Yeah, that was brutal. And I, and I guess I, I, I would definitely, if somebody will buy it, then great. Uh, I, I would try yeah, to steer away from they, consignment. Um, sorry, tough. when when it comes it's to tough. retailers, if somebody will buy it at a discount rather than do consignment, try to go for the buyer rather than consignment. Because I, I know of websites that will say, yeah, we do consignment, and they take, they drag their fucking feet like crazy right. because they have oh, less yeah, of yeah. an incentive. To like and, make that oh, sale. We owe, we we pay after ninety days. Yeah. What? Ninety days? <laughs> you need three months? <laughs> like you're gonna say yeah. ninety days? Yeah. You a three... quarter of a year? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> They're using these words. Oh, it's only, it's only ninety days. The fuck you? It's like ninety days. <laughs> the other thing is the other thing is is in terms of the concept of business. I think it's important for everybody to kind of take a breath and say see the long term. The long term with this guy is he's got stuff in stock. Just hold on. All of a sudden, you get it on your website, and you'll be you know keep your keep your keep the bat signal up. Let people know you're still there. I think when people start to kind of like fade off into the distance, unless they're doing newsletters or doing the Instagram every day or every other day, or just making sure people know that you're there, all of a sudden something might happen and. Somebody will whisper something or somebody will say, hi, I need a birthday present. What can I get? Oh, oh, oh. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, he's got something, you know. Right. You never know. And then at night, somebody will be like flipping. I can see the people on the in the middle of the night looking on the, you know, they're just browsing along, but they keep, you keep that appearance, like you're open, like, oh, because we don't have stores. So make mm-hmm. sure people, if you walk past the store, it says closed. Were you going to go in? No. <laughs> you know, of course not. <laughs> they're fucking closed. But if you yeah. just make sure they, you know, see that Instagram is like your doors open sign or your social media, the doors open, then all of a sudden somebody might pop in. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, if you are sitting on inventory, I don't know what your newsletter game looks like hj knife shop but this might be a chance to start putting that to work i think it's a, a, a very good i think he's in an, an advantage yeah it's much better advantage to have stuff ready to go than to be like For i sure. got 100 orders and i can't get i can't get yeah. over my head my neck above the water you know yeah yeah makes sense yeah okay bare metal work um, I said hello there. A couple of weeks ago, Morocco talked about accidentally getting undercut at the heel. Um, my question was, what exactly is undercut? As a welder, I know what that term refers to, but I feel uh, it may look different on a knife. So, so do you remember that, Morocco? You're talking about that. I don't. <laughs> well, I'll, so I'll, refer, uh, I'll figure it out. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Basically, it was referring to sharpening, and I think that he's getting it with oh. when you're sharpening with a belt. Now, what undercut yeah. is when you're welding is. When you're welding two pieces of material together, and you're you're maybe if you're using a MIG welder or whatever, you're not you don't have as much metan, uh, filler material, and maybe your amperage is too hot. And what happens is is it, it the weld doesn't go on top, but it like submerges underneath. It submerges into the material itself. Right. You know what I'm talking about? You. So yep. it's got yeah. good penetration, but it doesn't have enough to grind off, and you end up with uh, undercut. And then like if you're on a corner or something like that, it melts away, and then it's not a nice weld that's what undercut it sure so yeah when i guess when if i that's what i was referring to uh when sharpening if you hold the knife i like to hold the knife like flat to so so a face so it's facing the ceiling and floor and the edge usually for me because i'm right eye dominant the edge is to the left um and if i'm sighting down that blade if it's not either flat or a gentle continuous curve if it kind of dips in at any point that is I, that would be an undercut to me. That is something that would need to be fixed. And that often has happened to me in the past when sharpening and just honestly, more than anything, just not being conf- confident with sharpening on the machine. But I've also had it happen on stones as well, where um, I wasn't doing a good job of kind of um, uh, applying pressure across the entire length of the bl- blade. I was putting a lot of pressure just in like one or two spots and wherever you put the more, put more pressure or wherever you put force, that is where, especially with a stone or honestly, even with grinding, that is where that abrasive is going to cut. And if you're not paying attention, you have a really thin blade. It can do some wonky shit to your knives uh, really quick, whether it's on a machine or if it's on a stone. Um, so that must have been yeah. what I was referring to is the the edge yeah. cutting like dipping in towards the spine. Slightly. I assumed what you meant by that is 
when sharpening or even when grinding, mm. um, where you've got the, the I say the length of the blade up against the platen or whatever it is you're, you're grinding sure. against, whether it's a wheel or whatever it may be. Um, you've obviously got, the, you, I say, you've got the length of the knife, yeah. but when you get to the end, um, you've got nothing. It, it can sort of rock slightly if you if you if you haven't got you know a really good grip on it um and i assume that's what you meant that you're getting a sort of a, a sort of a dip and ex- an extra bit of a grind mm. um at, at the end of the heel um and that can happen for, for that reason that it's rocking but also the fact that I, you see a lot of people sort of scrubbing the knife back and forth left and right left and right um what you need to think then is that those extreme ends they're getting ground twice as much as that middle mm-hmm. because you're passing through the middle, but you're going in and back out of both ends. Right. Um, so I assume that that is what you meant by yeah. I was going to say the exact opposite in terms of that scrubbing because you, you see those knives, and I actually, back in the day, I made a knife for a chef, and I was going back and forth with the grinder, and the middle mm-hmm. was getting more hitting more belt than the sides and the top and then i ended up with like a fucking whoop in the in the, in the oh, middle yeah. was in the middle yeah. the middle was whooped that's probably one of the reasons why i don't do those straight like nakiris where everything has got to be like a fucking razors th- you know flat 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 because if you something slips and all of a sudden you 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 have daylight when you put the knife down on a table yeah and that mm-hmm. can be undercut too i always feel like Maybe you got you're, you're going back and forth, back and forth, and the middle ends up getting more belt than the the sides. The middle, if it's a smaller blade, yeah, because you spend a lot more time in the middle as you're going back and forth. Yeah, I can see that as well. Yeah, look yeah. at that. We're answering questions. We're, answering wow. questions. We're doing it, guys. Yeah. We're doing it. We we also have great yeah. feedback. P.S. Let's hear it. Okay. Okay. Well, let, let's stick on this just a second. Oh, yeah. So, oh yeah. So if we're talking to using a, a belt, an abrasive belt, what abrasive belt should he be using? Oh, combat abrasives. What are you nuts? Combat Abrasives makes the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now. 15% off. Go do it. Okay, um, listen to feedback. But remind me, we have got to get back to Ash Edwards. He shot some... He shot a couple shots across the bow at us oh. at American Food, so we've got to make sure we, <laughs> okay. we head back to him. And I want to I want Ash to be sitting there listening to this, saying, "What is he going to say?" I apologize to my friend in Spain. I think I went a little overboard. Don't worry about that. And I'm not going to go crazy with you, Ash Edwards. We're going to go to a little listener feedback. First comes from listener feedback. If you want to uh, do some listener, oh by the way, I have not eaten since last night, so I'm a little bit extra wired. Um. You've not Whoa, eaten what? since last I night. I had coffee this morning, and that was it. Are you doing so a twenty-four keep... hour fast? No, not at all. I just so, I don't eat breakfast, and then if I'm in the groove and we're hauling ass, we're hauling ass, we're getting ready to do this newsletter. I fucking we've got so excited about this this stonewash finish. I got to lunch, and I was like, I wasn't hungry. Just keep going, and I haven't thought about eating at all. So I have not eaten Jesus. since last night. It's it's an old college thing. I loved. I used to love it, and I'm going with it. So if you want to do some listener feedback, guys, you can go reach out to us on Instagram, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. And the first listener feedback comes from our friend Paul Jansen. And this was in regards to what we were talking about in the last couple episodes. He says, the best way to kill the enjoyment of a hobby is to make it your job. For me, enjoying a hobby is in part because it's not anything that's related to my actual job. Uh, it's an escape to unwind. Making it your job just invites all the stress that comes with that, especially if you're 
Uh, you are now your own boss figuring out the other business's aspects. Just my two cents for what it's worth. We were talking about when is it the right time mm. to go full time or, you know, full time. And we were talking about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys want to add anything? But it sounds like the dream, doesn't it? Doing what you love with nobody telling you what to do. Um, but yeah, it doesn't work out like that because you've got to do yeah. what you've got to do, you know? Well, but also, yeah. we, once again, we see younger people doing things more successfully. And there, some of them are just like aberrations. And, and experience is underrated. Like, you know, getting older and having real experiences in life is underrated. It really informs all the, all the mistakes you make, inform the good things that happen. It's great. Mm. Fuck up a few times and things will go better. All right, Bingo Kendall, our friend Bingo Kendall <laughs> has something to say. I don't know if this is unsolicited advice or a hot take, but if you don't, take responsibility if you don't take responsibility at your current job then you aren't going to like running your own business owning a small business is way harder than working for someone else where you can forget about that job when you go home yeah bingo mm. bingo with, quite true bingo with that yeah, wisdom bringing bring the truth <laughs> bombs I mean, he yeah. giving it up. He's a he's a small business <laughs> owner. Bingo, Bingo's the man. He's got like a concrete company. He does. He's like does concrete. He might be putting people in the desert. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Concrete. Put you know. You never know. <laughs> Some concrete Don't shoes. Fuck with Bingo. <laughs> I mean, you never know with old Bingo Kendall. God bless him. B i n g o. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what he says when he puts you in the in the cement feet. <laughs> this is the last thing I want you to see. B i n g o. Uh, <laughs> bingo was his name oh now go away all right so this one comes from uh our good friend hinterland rover hinterland rover says i want to thank you for having don went on recently i learned of his class in november and signed up so obviously don knows us a couple bucks um just best, that's my aside <laughs> Free also uh as someone with adhd it's refreshing to hear chats on taking care of your mental health thank you thank you thank you so yeah, yeah. shout out to once again our, our boy Mareko who being very generous with his with his uh vulnerabilities. I'm I'm here for you guys. That's it. He looks or you could say I'm with you. I'm with you. But there you go. <laughs> oh, don't fall for it, Mareko. You'll have us all say it. <laughs> <laughs> this one's specially good. This one's for Craig for sure, hundred percent. Hey, uh, this is from our friend manufacturer Scarimable. Scarry Mabola. Remember this guy? So, so what was his name again? <laughs> Scarry Mabola. What, what was his name? Sorry? Scarry Mabola. Well, we, okay. we called him Scars Mabolo. That's what we called him. <laughs> okay. So okay. I think, I think, Sorry, I man. think this comes from an old episode where he's talking about uh, something about, it has something had to do with having sex. And I don't know what it was. And we basically said, you got to learn how to fuck better. I think. <laughs> 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 I so have remember this. I think yeah. I remember. Always I strong think, advice, though. I think, I think, you know, maybe, maybe it's not you. Maybe it's me. I mean, maybe you got to practice on it. So, Scars Mabolo, our buddy, says, Hey, sweeties, just want to chime in on glove talk, because you know we're talking about the, uh, our friend who had the gloves. If you wash your hands with mechanics, hand cleaner, sand paste, immediately before putting on nitrile gloves, they don't get swampy. One major drawback to nitrile gloves is they don't resist acetone. It actually dissolves them. That's why I've switched over from using isopropyl alcohol for degreasing. 
I only work as a knife maker part time and I have a white collar main job. So having black hands is not just inappropriate for my day to day job. Keep it up. Love you. Kindness, re- kind, kindness regards manufacturer Scars Mabolo, aka, aka the guy that needs to be better at fucking, according to Craig. <laughs> 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 always happy to give the advice yes, Polo. god bless you man as long as the fucking's getting better i mean who's <laughs> give us another <laughs> yeah, he's the man you're the man scars we are with you a hundred percent a hundred we're, we're behind you we're not watching but we're behind you <laughs> I'm not behind him, just to be clear. Yeah, we have no idea. We're just giving you the, giving you, I mean, I was, I, every word you say sounds like it's sexual. So I'm with yeah. you. Uh, so what's he, what's he saying? He puts stuff on his hands before the gloves and it stops the gloves getting all Manufacturing sweaty hands, cleaner paste, like Gojo, I think. Okay. Yeah. It's got that, uh, it's got that pumice in it. But oh, I would think okay. that's like sandblasting your hands. Okay. I mean, that's just that's just me. I don't understand uh, how it like, keeps your hands from getting sweaty and swampy. I don't know how long everybody has to wear their gloves for. That's what I don't understand. I mean, they're nitrile gloves. You don't have to wear them all day. You know, everyone's <laughs> get showing up with like you know like soft dick hands. You know, you know, I don't know why that happens. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Jeez. I haven't eaten in twenty four like eighteen hours. His glucose levels are mind. super low right now. <laughs> yeah, the glucose levels are very low, very very low. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, fine. Geez. Zachary Brahman says, listen to feedback, listening to the latest episode of Knife Talk about anvils and making too much noise. The shop I do forging in uh, in Salt Lake uh, in Salt Lake City has... The shop I do forging in. <laughs> does a, does a gr- uh, sticks a grinding magnet to the anvil and it makes things uh, that ring much more quiet. If people are trying to forge in a neighborhood, I feel like this trick is valuable. The 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 dampening with the magnets and the chains only goes so far. It doesn't. It's not putting a silencer on your anvil. No. Mm. Um, okay. But uh, it's it's definitely some anvils are definitely louder than others. Period. Yeah. And you know, uh, I I I'm for whatever it takes to make it more quiet. I've 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 seen them. I've seen some anvils wrapped up like Mr. T. You know. Oh <laughs> like yeah. So many chains. <laughs> like like more chain things. than anvil. So, um, and then uh, our friend BG Bosch, BG Bosch is the man. Uh, BG Bosch says, listening to this week's podcast with the ongoing discussion around uh, and if when to go full time, and it made me finalize a thought for myself. I've been knife making now for five years, and I've had the dream of quitting my nine to five job and doing it full time. However, lately I came to realize as much as I loathe the corporate bullshit of my day job, where I lead an art department for a large military contractor, it allowed... What is that? An art department? <laughs> for a large military... It's like, is that the guy who draws, like, the shark teeth on the missiles? I mean, I don't know. Camouflage. <laughs> he just draws camouflage all day. I mean, an art, I mean, art director for a military... I mean, he's doing the fonts for the bullets? I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, I'm with you 100%. Don't make jokes. Uh, making is my personal sanctuary away from my daily grind. This week's conversation somewhat cemented the decision for me to continue explore what I want to make, and if people want to buy it, that's great. But maybe uh, it'll become an early retirement option. Uh, but for now, at least, I'll be doing it for me. Thanks again for always. Hmm. Um, <laughs> thanks again for as always for your continued entertainment and guidance. In my opinion, Six Anvil Lockwood is a great name to add to the pile. You have a lot of very good nicknames, by the way. <laughs> Six Anvil Lockwood is pretty good. 
Six anvils. Yeah. Uh oh. Um. And then there's a couple other ones. There's one here's from Woodstock Bladecraft, throwing it all the way back to 2021 with a hot take. Uh, here's <laughs> quote. What's your process for etching stainless Damascus is the new uh, what's your hand sanding grit progression. <laughs> also, hmm. what's your process for etching stainless Damascus? I'm having trouble getting my good, <laughs> my good stainless contrast between the Damascus and the stainless. So there you go, right into a question. So what's, your, what's the etching process for Damascus? Rick, what do you, do you guys know? think? What are you, what, why are you doing this to us every goddamn time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what I do for Damasteel is yes, I it. use um, I use warmed muriatic acid. Okay. Muriatic mm. acid? Yeah. Use warm muriatic acid. I know in Europe people use, I don't know what, what freak, I don't remember what, I don't want to say an acid <laughs> that I think it is. I think they call because it I might be, you know, I, he hydrochloric, hydrochloric he said yeah so yeah. Yeah. man that's the that's what i was using based off of what damasteel suggested and i mm-hmm. warmed it up in a ban marie on a on a pan so it was warmed up not in one end of a pot of muriatic on a burner i had like a <laughs> ban marie and what does that it mean? worked great a ban marie is a restaurant term where you have uh, a small like a water bath water bath yeah so okay. you have a, a bowl with or you have a pot with water in it, and then you put your pot inside, and then the water doesn't allow it to burn, anything to burn. So you're slowly, yeah. slowly warming Is it container it up. metal, or is it plastic? Yes. I, well, really? for the muriatic, I was using glass. I was using my oh. boot. I was using my glass boot, and which is the most perfect You mean like a glass. beer boot? Glass boot. Yeah, my beer boot. I got a beer boot. <laughs> that thing is like the king of the castle in this joint. That's the most used... I use it for the gator piss. I use it for the ferric. I use it for the coffee. I use it for everything. I wow. love that boot. I love. It's perfect because it's the right amount of material. It's the right space that it fits in the band Marie easy, and it's not enough. It's not that much material. Not we gotta get you more boots, or do you have a bunch of boots? I got one, and this is the only one I like. So all right, it's perfect. I got you. So. <laughs> and Dharma Steel actually on their website they've got a really good guide for etching. Um, Dharma steel, yeah. which, as we know, is a is a stainless Damascus, the best out there. Go to dharmasteel.sc. You'll see all the guides they've got there, too, which are really, really great. Um, but also check them out on Instagram, Dharma steel Lab or Dharma steel AB, if you want to be pedantic about it. Um, great examples of what people are using Dharma steel for, uh, whether it's jewellery, knives. It's just all special, special, beautiful stuff because they've got lovely patterns. They're great people. Go take a look, dharmasteel.se. Oh, I know why I'm also a little wacky today. It's because I'm about to. We're about to go fly to California to drop our kid off at college. Oh, I That's thought you already did reason. that last week. I was actually just no, about to ask you. No, we're we're leaving. This is it's Thursday. We're leaving Saturday morning. I got gotcha. you. So hmm. I'll be back next week. Oh, I'm probably a little wacky from that too. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Wacky's good. We can do show. Wacky's good. Wacky's good. But make sure you eat. You're eating. I mean, I'll say. I got. I mean, it's not like I'm a. I'm not like a. I, oh, the jokes I could make, it's so some of them are so inappropriate. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I gotta like, I gotta hold myself back a little bit, but you know, I'm fine. Okay. I feel fine. Well, this this leads us nicely into Ash Edwards' question. There you go, my boy. Do you, do you want to take that one, Jeff? Uh, I don't think. I think you should read it, Craig. Okay, okay. American cuisine is American food any good? And I've been thinking very similar things recently, too. Um, you guys are obviously foodies and cook great sounding food. But on average, American food looks pretty basic and cheese heavy. 
Here in Australia, we don't have a lot of our own cuisine, but we have a very multicultural population which influences the culinary culture. It's normal for a country town to have Japanese, Chinese, Thai, Italian, French, English and Indian offerings. It was commonplace growing up for mum and dad to cook a Thai curry one night, then a roast lamb the next. I feel this culture is reflected in our culinary knife world with a high demand for most knife styles. Is it the same in the US or do people only eat yellow cheese? <laughs> it's a shot across the bow, I'd say. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I, I would yeah. be curious what that- he's looking at. Is he only seeing like McDonald's and Arby's commercials or like what the fuck? Well, Taco Bell? I, I will say that if you go on to TikTok and Instagram and look at the reels, cheese seems oh, like a cheese steady, pulls. The che- cheese. Well, just cheese and- seems like a heavy rotation in reels and stuff right. like that food stuff. Yeah. I, th- I think so. the problem is, is that those cheese pulls get so many views that they just show up more often, but. Like the town, the town I live in has a hundred thousand people in it, and we have almost any kind of food that you can think of in that small town. I know. I know. Most of what I see, um, like American cooks sharing, is like it's not finesse at all. It's like bulk and filthy. You know, it's like that's it's, your, that's like, your back door. Filthy, right there. like that's sexy, a, filthy, or that's what you love. That's your that's your fucking wheelhouse, Craig. <laughs> Bulk and with filth. the egg I mean, poke uh, and everything. You're the one who goes to you go to McDonald's and you give us a whole fucking story about like the oh the blue cheese on the the Mac Supreme or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, but, I mean, I'm just saying that the kind of stuff that I see yeah. online from Americans um, seems to be very meat and yeah. cheese focused and like i said big big portions of big yeah unhealthy right. food that that that's the way it's sort of portrayed to me anyway gotcha. what do you think craig i'm at morocco i mean i i, don't, I feel like america <laughs> is a melting pot like so many other countries are uh, i think i don't i don't think what you necessarily see all the time through social media represents a, appropriately or proportionately what kind of food we actually have available here i mean people are yeah live here from all over the world right and like some some areas are more concentrated um with like different different uh culinary backgrounds like you know vietnamese populations and japanese and german and, and dutch and all and mexican and belarusian or whatever you know all these different places have a a lot of different places around the country have a little bit more of a heavier population of one i guess country or or cultural background than another but there's usually almost always a big mix even some of the shittiest little dickhole towns i've ever driven through have like a chinese restaurant and (laughs) and a subway and and i don't like there's always something an indian restaurant you know, there's always, always, to me, it seems like there's always some sort of mix of stuff. Teriyaki spots are everywhere, too. Yeah. I, I think the reason why I, why I see this is it's probably not just food-related. It's probably just the extremes. That's what you seem sure. to see online. You see the extremes of things. You don't see the ordinary because it wouldn't get views. Um, so, the, yeah, that's probably why I'm inundated with, yeah big fat American guys <laughs> squeezing their meat you know well yeah. and based on the Instagram algorithms they show you more of what you like and if you're seeing a lot of only cheesy shit that's probably because you're hearting it all like crazy yeah <laughs> I, there's a couple I'd like to do a little, this is going to be the smack and tickle part portion of the answer 
I would have thought that Australia, all you eat is fucking Vegemite and kangaroos. I mean, <laughs> right. It's like the dumbest thing of all time. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy to say that. But at the same time, I understand. If you're looking at the food real, and I think that there's going to be a big switch. I remember back in the day, if you wanted to watch food TV, it was on Channel 13, public access. It was the Frugal right. Gourmet. It was Julia Roberts. There wasn't, or Julia, uh, Julia Childs, Child. there wasn't a whole, there was not a whole lot of people <laughs> seeing cooking at home. And, mm. and when the Food Network came out, they were doing the hits because in the beginning, the beginning early days of the first year of Food Network, it was some boring shit. And then they get Emeril on and he's got his, Emeril Lagasse, has got this show and he's talking, now we're going to put in bacon and garlic and all these fat asses in the, in the audience are going, oh, garlic, <laughs> you know, and then his show became so popular. This is, you didn't ever saw this, Craig. Emeril Lagasse was this, he's a chef from, New, mainly from New Orleans. He started out in, uh, from Massachusetts and he did Cajun food, but it, like his show was just so like, Everything was like orgasmic, like, oh, we're going to put more mm. cheese and bacon. And then the Food Network people started to see that this is what the goddamn viewership wants. More people started cooking terribly in the United States because of the Food Network. And, they, and the other, for the reasons that there was no, the United States has no true um, indigenous food in, with the exception of Cajun food. We don't have years and years, like in France, of of a, a diet and a recipe handing downs and stuff like that. Cooking is a relatively new thing. And if you look at supermarkets, that shows you as well. It all depends. It all depends on where you go. Like Mareko was saying, you go in New York, it is a melting pot. You can go any, you can get anything and anywhere. Mm. And nowadays, I believe because of reels and what goes well, and I'm a victim too. And I have to do these food that people like. I can't start cooking tofu and hope that people are going to like it. I got to put some hot dogs and shit on there. And I got to put some stuff that people are actually going to eat. And you're going to see a big change in people's diets, probably for the worse, because people are, they just want this Gavone mentality of like, more cheese and more. I'm, he, Ash might be right. I fuck, fuck it. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> he might be right. But it's a problem. It's a huge problem. A huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But some of these okay. people are well, Back to your ultralights, Go Jeff. Um, you said that you uh, were um, getting a water jet. Right. Um, how did you get those files to the water jetter? In, 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 in what format? What, you know, how did that happen? Well, do you want the real story or the good one? <laughs> the good one would be I went to knife print and I learned how to use... I learned how to use their very easy software that was very user-friendly. I didn't have to download anything, and I was able to figure out exactly what it's going to look like three-dimensionally, and it was great. The software was great. So knifeprint.com, and then I click, click, click print or send it off to someone, and now I, I, know, cat, I know AutoCAD. So that's what you should have done. That's what I should have done. You went the lazy route and got somebody else to I do took it. a picture and said it to Zach, and I was just like, I right, just do it. And however, I should have done knife print if I had the time. If I, I should have made the time to do knife print because I do have some corrections that I need to send him. And if I had wow. done it myself, I there wouldn't have go. to like we wouldn't be going back and forth all the time. So I fucked exactly. up. Exactly. I should have used knife exactly. print. Exactly. I will use yeah. knife print. File 
open, open up your design, make a little tweak, and you're off to the races again. Uh, but seriously, KnifePrint is is a really good service, and if, if you're new to um, you know laser jetting or water jet cutting and you know just CAD in general, um, it's all done in the browser, so there's no software to download, as Jeff said, and it's super super easy. They've got this whole sort of educational resource center there showing you how to do it. Um, so if you've never attempted it, just go to knifeprint.com and just have a play around. Um, you, you'll find that it's it's easier than you think. And yeah, hit print, and they'll they'll send you blanks in the post. Perfect. We we should head back to Ash Edwards only because we didn't answer the question. He says, "I feel culture is reflected in our culinary knife world in the high demand of most of these knife styles. Is it the same in the United States, or do people just eat yellow cheese?" So, do you think? The way we how Americans eat, or French, or what, or the, in general, people around the world doesn't matter. Just Americans. Do you think the way we eat influences how we make our knives? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I bet that those who live in the cities, um, they're not getting you know many orders for hunt ni- hunting knives. Um, I bet because maybe that you know they don't hunt themselves, so they're not interested in. Um, and I bet those who are way out in the sticks. Um, they're probably getting less chef knives and more hunting knife orders. I, I don't know. I, I assume that would be the case. Um, that's yeah, an interesting that's, conversation yeah. in terms of how does cooking, how does cooking at large affect the ni- how you make knives? Like, hmm. perfect example. I don't make. Well, I don't know a lot of people who make handmade noodles and they make that noodle knife. You know what I'm talking. You know what I'm talking. Yeah, Marekka, you know what I'm talking about. Silver noodle knife. The noodle knife. Yeah. I'm not getting any orders for noodle knives because I just don't know if anybody mm. needs a noodle knife. And if they did, I'd consider it, but they're not making noodle knives. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, or, I mean, how does, here's another example. I don't think that I would get a lot of orders for a 10-inch chef knife because most home cooks don't have, don't have the need for a 10-inch chef knife for everyday cooking because, A, maybe they're, they're, uh, their cutting board is not 10 inches long, or maybe they're not cooking for something that needs it. Maybe they need something a little bit yeah. more. I think cooking and how we eat is is a reflection on how we make our knives. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and those those extreme cases of you know, the extra long knives and that kind of thing, they're generally for, you know, specialist um uh, you know, specialist things that you need to do, and most of the time that isn't done in the home, so they'd maybe go to professional kitchens. But yeah, the, the bulk of what we of what we sell is to, to the home chefs, and you know, and I they're three foot long samurai swords are not really what they're after. And I, I can't even talk about it only because it's in the beginning stages. But I am going to be doing something that probably ha- is completely related to what Ashley Edwards is saying. There's a a product that I'm going to be making that is definitely cheese and instagram cooking related for sure he's right ash is right i have to take everything back we all that you're making <laughs> i'll talk about it i'll talk about it some other is time. it fondue forks no who fucking eats fondue <laughs> oh, who, wait who eats fucking all of a sudden i'm going to a business com meeting with my business partner and our, what's your big idea we're gonna we're gonna get make fondue forks we're bringing fondue back yeah they're gonna fucking quit <laughs> everyone's gonna quit I, all our all our swedish listeners are now thinking geez i've had fondue tonight it's a common thing such, such american have you ever had fondue you think the whole world revolves around you have you ever had geez. fondue yes plenty of times is it good yes yeah i had yeah. it at a, have you had it well how did they have it what was it 
oil or was it cheese? <laughs> what oil? You could do it like a. You could do fond- You can do. You can do that. Yeah, the cooking yeah, in the cooking oil. Cooking the thing. oil. Yeah, but, oh. but no, no, it's, it's generally cheese. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and you and you you dip, you dip and eat. So yeah, when we go skiing every year, there's. I mean, fondue. We always have a, like a, a couple of fondue nights. Really. Yeah, fondue yeah. Lockwood. The mountains. It's it's mountain is food. It, yeah. Is it? I mean, it's just dipping bread into cheese, hot cheese. Well, not just bread, but it could be vegetables. <laughs> could be Trust whatever. me, you're not putting any fucking vegetables in that cheese. To be honest, <laughs> broccoli, cauliflower, Come on, Craig, okra. Don't pretend like you're. Oh, don't judge you pass me, that? Don't please judge me. I'm on holiday, okay? Please. I said I have it. I'm on holiday. Please pass that okay. aubergine. Do you, Craig, could I, could I please have a, a slice of aubergine, please? Craig, do you dip cheese? Okay, it may in be che- deep fried vegetables. You, okay. Have you ever dipped cheese in the fondue? Dipped cheese into cheese, <laughs> like double cheese yeah. in. What? What do you mean? Exactly that. Like a, you know, whatever. A, a a chunk of parmesan. No, no. 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 Right. I had, uh, no. I had fond. But it's a common thing in Europe. It's not like when you say fondue. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's very common. Well, uh, my wife's family's from Wisconsin, and there's this very, very Swiss area, and we went to have some real Swiss food, and they get brought out the fondue. It sucked. Oh. It sucked, and it, I know they put in the it's the Emmentaler and it's the Gruyere, and then they put in the wine. Yeah. It tastes so whiny. I was just like, "Who eats this shit? Who eats it? Who <laughs> give me that that squeezy yellow cheese?" <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean Velveeta. It's hard. Hey, listen, make all the jokes you want. You can't melt cheese better than Velveeta. You can't do it. You can melt it in a microwave. You can melt it under an oven. It's like I mean, it is toxic, but I mean, it does its job. Do you know who else? I th- I'm pretty sure they eat a lot of fondue as well. Those Canadians. <laughs> I don't think so. And I reckon Lawrence have probably got a fondue machine in oh, stock. Oh, 100%. Now we've mentioned it. If you go to maritimeknifesupply.com, um, you'll be at all your fondue materials that you could possibly ever need. He'll have, as well as obviously all the knife-making stuff, um, steel belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and more. They are the Canadian distributor for combat abrasives. They also sell Rhinoet, Rhino Stick. Um, they're selling broadbacks. They got it all there. Go take a look. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Here's here's Craig when he when he orders a fondue. At, <laughs> excuse me. Do you have any courgettes? I need a fucking courgette for my fondue. It's a broccoli stems. Come on, man. Why is this? F- I, I I I I'm finding this quite upsetting. I'm sorry. Let's move on. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, I would. You're quite right. I haven't had a vegetable in about three weeks. <laughs> I, I wouldn't fucking mop up my fondue with a broccoli. I wouldn't do it. All right, never mind. <laughs> Refuse. Okay, and um, well, moving on from that, we got celery patch nice. We just did. Oh um, yeah, right. Oh, oh that's yeah, ash. ash. Is it? Ash? <laughs> we can do the question sorry. again and okay. have a different answer. I thought it was another question. <laughs> we okay. okay. just change the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You eat a lot of fish in Japan. Why is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's taking the next one? Woodstock Bladecraft. Hit it, Morocco. Okay, Woodstock Bladecraft says, Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Uh, newer knife maker here. I've had some success etching carbon steel Damascus blades with gator piss and darkening with coffee, but I'm currently building my first ever stainless Damascus blades. I've read that stainless steel can be more difficult to etch and that it will resist darkening the results from a coffee soak. Uh, what do you do to etch and create good contrast with stainless steel? Ah. 
we've pretty much just answered that, well, haven't we? From what I understand, the coffee itch doesn't work very well for stainless Damascus. It does not work at all. At least in my experience, it hasn't worked at all. Um, and when it comes to etching stainless, um, yeah, like we said before, that uh, Damastilla has a lot of great information, both on the website and their YouTube channel, for etching stainless, uh, whether it's their stuff or something else. Um, and so, yeah, I would just, I would refer to those. They're very solid resources. I, I have to tell a story I was going to tell in the beginning, but I, I totally lost all my mind. Okay. Um, I was doing a live. I hadn't done an Instagram live in a long time. And all of a sudden I was, cause I was waiting for stuff to come out of the cryo, waiting, waiting. And um, we started talk. I started talking. I showed somebody the uh, Baker Forge and Teal, Baker Forge and Tool Steel uh, Light Ultralight, you know, skeletonized knife. And somebody asked me what I was, you know, using to etch it in. I said, oh, yeah, it's Gator Piss. And a, a lot of really, really talented people that we know started saying, "Ah, oh, Gator Piss. That's a that name is terrible." And one of the guy goes, "Yeah, I agree. That guy, I agree." And everyone's. And I said, "Well, look." I mean, I'm I'm not here to. Def- I mean, it's it works great, and he goes, ah, oh, they should have had a different name, and I and I said I said, well, look, you're talking about it. How often do you talk about an etching? And the fact mm-hmm. remains, it works great. So we talked about it, and the funny part was, is I ended up having like customers on there, and they're like, you're not going to put use Gator. They were like, can I use can you use Gator Piss on my that? I'm like, I had to apologize because I was <laughs> oh, just like, God. we got because then then Ben Snoor goes, you yeah, know, what are they going to name the 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 Hamon Clay? And we're making jokes like we got to come up with a good name for a Hamon Clay, like Monkey Poo or something like who knows, you know, Cow Pat. So what was yeah. interesting was at the end of the whole thing, I started to kind of rethink about the whole project. In my opinion, I'm just like. The name is great. People buy it. it, it, it it's, it's successful enough that it's, there's, you can get it in almost in any country now. And what was interesting was, and this is re- with respect to my friends, our friends who said it, it seemed as though the people who were giving the business advice to a knife company, a knife supply company, are not really in business. And it made me wonder... At what point do you take someone's advice for like business decisions? Do you look mm. at their what they've done or where they are, what they do, and then you weigh that compared to someone just, you know, sitting in their couch and shooting a shot off? Now, the people who said it are my friends. I have actually all of them. I have their numbers. I talk to them all. And I'm just using this as an example, but it made me wonder, at what point do you listen to someone's advice? Hmm. I think you've got to respect them, haven't you? You've got to respect what they do, um, you know, in order to take on their advice, I think. For sure. If you don't respect somebody and they try to give you advice, you're just like, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I think it all just boils down to that, really. Well, yeah. I mean... If they share, you know, share similar values to you, that kind of thing. And the funny part was, at the end of it all, one guy who was just like, ah, the name's terrible, the name's terrible, the name's terrible, he sent me a screenshot of his jug of gator piss and i wrote to him like you're not allowed to you're not allowed to own it now you gotta you can't you can't break their ball send it send it back you gotta send send it my my man (laughs) deep cut send it back but it was interesting because it was it was this interesting conversation of of uh, you know people have an opinion of 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 the naming and stuff like that but i found it to be interesting in regards to who are we to judge you know a business blah 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 I, I think it's a great name, actually. I think, you know, it's, it sticks in the mind. You know, when you talk about it, we know exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, if they do come up with a hormone clay, they should call it taint paste. 
Oh, jeez, Louise. That, no? that might be one past. That might be one past Gator Piss. <laughs> That's a bit much. I mean, is that worse than the spoon paste. on the Gooch comment from Australia? <laughs> Gooch spoon isn't the oh, worst name. <laughs> I mean, we come up with it. Wow, taint? What did you say? Taint paste? <laughs> paste. That's, taint paste. That might be even, even for Koi Baker, that might be one step <laughs> too, too much far. Reach. I, I will say, <laughs> you know, for anybody who is uncomfortable with the, the name Gator Piss, all you have to do is call it GPH. Just call it GPH. I mean, nobody gives. Hey, you could call. Hey, uh, what is it? Ferrochloride is often called PCBH. Do you know what the fuck that means? Probably not. But it's often yeah, used. Printed penis balls. Okay, we'll find <laughs> penis balls etch. Computer <laughs> genius, Craig knows. knows what everybody it's knows that is penis balls etch. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they call it PBH. Um. You know, there we go. <laughs> but I, I was, uh, it's funny thing was, is all, everyone was talking about it. Everyone was talking about it. And it turns out that I had three customers in the live. And at one point, I, one person said, oh, I just got the knife. I love it so much. Thank you. And I said, Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Next thing you know, five minutes down the line, talking gator piss. And I said, I really hope that woman wasn't here listening to this. She goes, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> and I was like, I totally apologize, you know. And what was what the? It was just really. I thought it was very interesting. And then I ended up getting a message from a customer saying, "Are, are you going to use the gator piss on the knife?" I'm like, "Well, you're not. You're not at that budget yet. You don't want to. You don't want to buy Damascus yet. So I don't think so. If you if you're ready for it, you know, uh, yeah, sure, the gator piss, fine. Well, somebody who's ready for the golden shower. Oh, jeez. Oh, Jesus God, Christ! You guys are hating on all my. Whipsy. No, I mean, what it's just fuck? like you're, you're just going a little one step farther than we expect. That's all. <laughs> one toe over the line. Morocco, tell us about your extra long clap. <laughs> oh, uh, it's actually not extra long. It goes extra deep. So, um, it's Jesus design- Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, so, Broadbeck is the grinder that I use for all of my grinding needs. Uh, it's a great machine. It's a, the multi multi-machine of the shop and it gets so many different things done thanks to their multitude of tool arms from you know the surface grinding attachment to the disc sander to the buffing arm attachment to the slack arm to the integral to the deep platen that i worked with them on you know they have all those different options and it's just a great machine all around and it can if you have a small space you're working in it's definitely the solution for you. Uh, so go to broadbackironworks.com, and when you get a hold of any of the packages or any of the tool arms, make sure you put Knife Talk 10 in at checkout to save yourself 10%. Again, it's broadbackironworks.com to save yourself 10%. Put in Knife Talk 10. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, shall we call it a day? Uh, Before we get even filthier uh, on the show, if that's, a, if that's at all possible. Here. We're gonna get filthier. Uh, I'm done. We, yeah, I mean, we. I got listener feedback from Wilder Knives of Alaska saying, "Ha ha ha! Breaking children's hearts. What next? Are you gonna drop the bomb on how babies were made to further traumatize the listeners' kids?" Yeah, we've 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 hit depths that a lot of people, a lot of podcasts wouldn't touch. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, children. <laughs> I mean, I got a, I got in trouble from someone because I told, I said that Santa's Santa's your parents. 
Somebody got really mad. A few people said, mad. "We were." I was listening. And why are you listening to this goddamn show in your car with your fucking kids? <laughs> it was our you, guy this part him. isn't bad yeah. enough. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah. why did you say that, that there's no Santa Claus? We you missed the part about the balls. You know, what right over your head? I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, this is episode two hundred and ninety-seven. And yeah, we've covered some ground in 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 those in those episodes. From yeah, plenty of bull yeah. talk. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Remember, remember the early days when people were complaining that we we had the odd swear word. Oh, <laughs> the best part was my favorite. My favorite. I still get it, which drives me slightly crazy. Is everyone blames me? No one ever. <laughs> nobody ever. Nobody. I mean, it's like Mareko is like the. It's like an angel. He's this angel that no one would ever criticize. No, people I'm have the blocked. The, people have blocked the show. People have blocked Craig. People have blocked me. But not the angel. Yeah. Not our angel. No, he's he's the golden child. The golden the child. child. Yeah. Okay. On that, let's call it a day. Thank you all for listening. We shall be back with you again next Monday. Bye for now. Oh, 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 one more thing, everybody. Get into Morocco's DMs. Wish him a happy birthday. Oh, He's nearly yeah. 40, you know. Careful. He's nearly 40. This show is brought to you by The Maker. There we go. That was a good one. Funny. Sorry for all the groaners. Yeah. Jesus Christ. No, no, it's good. It's good. That's better. The reaction's always better. Doesn't matter, you know. You gotta swing. Yeah. At, you gotta swing at pitches. You gotta <laughs> yeah, swing. And at I was pitches. striking out every fucking time. So what? But then if you then if you then you have it, you gotta swing. At, sometimes you strike up. Some it was good. It was good. Yeah. I it was a good. No, I told good. that story yeah. years ago. How I, I said something horrible to my grandmother, and I did I ever tell you this one? Oh no, my god! No. This was the worst. One of the worst. My family still. I can't bring it up. This was back in the day, back in the day. My poor grandmother was at my my aunt and uncle's. I was in college. I was totally extra arrogant, like way more. I mean, this is nothing. What I what this is like? This is nothing right here. I was fucking so full of myself. I get over to my, my we're gonna go see Batman Two with Val Kilmer or something like that, or Batman Two with uh, I think it was like uh, it was Batman Two with uh, Keaton. It was the second one, and they, it was right. raining, and they put this clear pink poncho over my grandmother clear pink poncho and i don't know what i maybe i had been eating maybe i don't know what i i don't know what i fucking was thinking but i said hey grandma you look like a giant dildo (laughs) (laughs) and i swear to god God. i that sucked all the air out of the room and she was she was just on the border of dementia and not dementia. So she got that one. Like, that one didn't slip past her. And my mother said, Jeffrey, William, Fader. My uncle flipped out. My aunt flipped out. I fucking <laughs> carpet bombed the whole house. And I'm thinking to myself, no one like that? Nobody like that? They were furious <laughs> with me. They wouldn't talk to me. It's to the point where for years later, my mother was just like, if I even brought it up years later, she just is just as mad. And I'll never forget coming back and seeing my dad. And he says, ah, what's going on? And I said, I told him the story. And I said, you look like a giant dildo. Or no, I think I said an erect penis. I don't remember. It was, <laughs> it was one, I don't remember exactly. But I said it, yeah. one of the two. 
And my dad fucking started howling with laughter. Obviously, it's not his family yeah. anymore. And I thought, I knew it was good. I knew it was good. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. And I always say swinging pitches. Sometimes it's just they're not working. But yeah, yeah, that was a bad. That was a that was a very low moment in the St. John household with with I've, with Jeffrey yeah. William Fader. I've dropped some clangers when I, when I first met my wife's family. Um. I'm, I'm sort of known in, in their family now for saying inappropriate things at the wrong time. And, you know, <laughs> That's they a find great it quite funny. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. I, I could have so. used a little so. of that. <laughs> it was a family gathering. It was somebody's birthday or something. And I was literally, it was like the first time I'd met her brothers and all the rest <laughs> of it. And we were on the table. And they were on about somebody, I think, from their school. And they were saying, oh, they were, they were saying, they were trying to describe to somebody else to see if they'd remember her. They said, oh, you know, she used to be like a really like strict Catholic. And I said, oh, she's not anymore, is she? I said, and they said, no. I said, oh, lapsed Catholics, they're the dirty ones. And <laughs> I'd only just met them. They all just looked at me as if to say, what the oh hell have God. you brought home to Amy, <laughs> you know? Yes, yeah, so they remind me of that one quite often as well, yeah. But I so, have one that still haunts me. Yeah. Mareko, you have any ones that you've said that you I'm afraid really to regret? do any more swinging, so why don't you go ahead? Dude, there's nothing compared to calling your grandmother a goddamn walking penis. I mean, for Christ's sakes. I We had tickets to... My, this was the first concert I ever went to. It was a Madonna concert. It was uh, the um, Blonde Ambition Tour. It was amazing. We had a friend whose parents took us. We didn't really know the guy. The, the, it, was, it was a friend's parent, and the parents driving us over. And he was speaking French to his his daughter. And I thought, oh, you know, I just heard from uh, 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 an older person that, you know, did you know that, you know, in the United States, they used to make Polish jokes. You know, Polish jokes, right? Yeah. Our Polish jokes are basically like, they would make jokes at the expense of Polish people. And the the punchline was the Polish people are dumb. And they were really kind of outdated. And it really is just a poor, it's a poor concept is a term of the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this person said to me, the older person said, did you know if you're in Europe, they treat the Belgians just like the Poles? So the Belgians are (laughs) the joke. The French particularly do, yeah. The Belgians are the butt of the joke in Europe. So... I assumed that they were French, so I said to the father, making, <laughs> making, making conversation in front in this car full of kids. Excuse me, sir. Is it true what they say about the Belgians that they're really dumb? That was the and and then the daughter says, my my father's from Belgium. And oh my god! It was the longest drive to this goddamn concert. <laughs> and I swear to God, I was I was just trying to make conversation. I felt bad yeah. for that. My the I was just like I've I just and he's sitting there driving like I'm driving these fucking assholes. And this yeah, kid says, "Is it sure. true what they say about your country is stupid?" It was I. It hurts my stomach now just even thinking about it. <laughs> Still feeling. Yeah, I was that was yeah. bad. I don't know if that was as bad as ref- asking Grandma why do you look like a giant walking penis. Maybe I think yeah, I feel worse not. with the guy. I think I feel worse about the guy. Yeah, shoot, I was making a joke. Him, he didn't think I was making a joke. Yeah, it's all good. No. It's all good. Time is a healer. Mm. Okay, thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you again uh, next week for episode 298. <whistles> We're getting close. We're getting close. Bye for now. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.